This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Live long and prosper, Andrew. Beam me up, Monica. I can't speak Klingon, oh. so I'm not even going to try. That'd <laughs> 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 be the next one. Guess what, Monica? What? This is episode number 50 <gasps> of Cinema Fix. Happy anniversary. 50! Whoa! Can't believe I've been doing this for 50 episodes. You're old. <laughs> oh, we need lives. <laughs> My mother agrees. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 50, focused on the movie Star Trek Into Darkness. And if you're new to Cinema Fix, basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies. And each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. The second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers. So if you've seen the movie and you would appreciate that kind of in-depth conversation about what works and what doesn't, definitely listen to part two. This week we're going to be talking about Star Trek Into Darkness. Monica, why don't you give our listeners a little information about the movie? Sure. Actually, this week's synopsis I'm going to use from the official Paramount Pictures uh, description, and they get it wrong. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. I'll, I'll clarify. <laughs> Technicality. <laughs> it is a lot of plot, so it's very easy to mess up. But anyways, the story is when the crew of the Enterprise is called back home, they find an unstoppable force of terror from within their own organization has detonated the fleet and everything it stands for, leaving our world in a state of crisis. With a personal score to settle, Captain Kirk leads a manhunt to war to a war zone world to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction. As our heroes are propelled into an epic chess game of life and death, love will be challenged, friendships will be torn apart, and sacrifices must be made for the only family Kirk has left, his crew. Wow, that sounds epic. Explosions. <laughs> I find it very interesting that they harp on the weapons of mass destruction. We'll definitely cover the political subtext to this movie in part so two. So much political subtext. <laughs> and also, you're right. That synopsis is wrong. The fleet is not destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> everything it stands for. <laughs> Some other things are destroyed, but not the fleet. <laughs> that would be very sad. <laughs> yes. Looks like Paramount Pictures couldn't even figure out what was going on in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that or they were really trying to hype this up. They destroy everything! <laughs> Do you hear me? Alright, we're going to take ten minutes to talk about it, but first, here's a clip. Your boyfriend's second-guessing me every chance he gets. Sorry, that was inappropriate. It's just sometimes I want to rip the bangs off his head. Well, maybe it's me. I, I it's not you. Are you guys fighting? I'd rather not talk about it. Oh my god, what is that even like? All 
Alright, this is part one of our episode on Star Trek Into Darkness. We're just going to take ten minutes to give some general spoiler-free thoughts on the movie. I'm starting the clock now. Monica, this is the second film in the new J.J. Abrams reboot of the Star Trek franchise. Which takes place in a parallel universe. Yes, an alternate timeline, which basically gives them the freedom to do whatever they want. And also retain the original canon. So it's kind of an ingenious plot device. I gotta ask you, what did you think of J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek film? And what did you think of this one? I remember liking the 2009 film. I had a lot of fun with it. Some of the filming didn't distract me. Because it's very Abrams-y. So, you know, the notorious lens flares. Right. Lens Flare McGee over there, he's really happy to use those in every scene possible, despite having the movie take place in space where there's not a lot of natural light <laughs> to Lens Flare. But that's okay. I feel like there must be something in his contract that says he gets an extra $10,000 every time he includes a Lens Flare or something. I think it's almost like a Michael Bay dare. So for every horrible shot Michael Bay does, he gets an extra bonus. <laughs> now every horrible <laughs> shot J.J. Abrams does with the lens flare. Or my favorite, this time it was the fake zoom. That was just, it It, it was used in Firefly. This was pointed out to me. Um, Joss Whedon used it a lot in the series. But I never really noticed it because maybe it happened once or twice an episode. And this one, it it feels like it happened 30 times in a course of two over two hours. When you say a fake zoom, what do you mean? It's that very digital, like, it's shaky cam, shaky cam, shaky cam, focus in on something. Okay, okay, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it is ugly, it looks unnatural, nobody sees that way, so that it just, it takes, it reminds you that you're watching a movie. You're not in the story anymore. I feel, it always throws me out. Well, you said that you liked this 2009 Star Trek film. Did you like this one? Not as much. I had a lot more fun with the first Star Trek. This one was not as fun. I don't know if it's supposed to be because it's going into darkness, but I also thought it was so, so choking on its own plot. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm very meh. I really liked the 2009 Star Trek film. I saw it multiple times in theaters. I think it's a really great example of a summer blockbuster done well. And I was trying not to get my hopes up too much for Star Trek Into Darkness, but it was definitely on my radar, and I was I was hoping that it would turn out to be just as good. And unfortunately you're right. It's it's a it's kind of a mess. Hot mess. I have to say I saw it in IMAX three D and if you get a chance to see it in IMAX 3D, it's totally worth it. The sound is amazing, and the 3D, I actually thought, was pretty well done for the movie. I saw it in 2D. I wouldn't even have been able to tell you, other than a few parts where hands are extended out into the screen, where 3D was built in. It's more depth perception. Yes, it's depth perception. It's the kind of thing where, like, whenever there's explosions, you'll see all the particles floating in mm -hmm. front of you, and in the opening scene, which I won't spoil, there's a shot with, like, some spears getting thrown at the camera. Wow, you're really protecting the, the spoilers this time. <laughs> Not even the first five minutes of the movie? No, let's, I All mean, right. Right. Let, let's save that for spoilers, because that actually touches on some, some interesting thematic stuff that we can talk about. Okay. But I have to say, I, I was enjoying myself for the first 
probably third of the movie. And then all I'll say is that a major character enters the picture and it suddenly all goes off the rails. And I decided that even though at the time as I was watching it, I felt the same way about Star Trek Into Darkness as I did about Iron Man 3, where I was just kind of frustrated and un- and angry at all the plot stuff going on. Yeah. I'm going to be a little bit kinder to Star Trek, I think, in my in, in this review, because after the movie, I was able to piece together the plot and determine, <laughs> yes, this leads logically to this, which leads logically to that. I was not able to do that after Iron Man 3. So I will give Star okay. Trek 3 some, some credit for making sense after the credits <laughs> roll. <laughs> Once I talked it out with some people. But yeah, it, it, I found it very hard to follow at times. Mm-hmm. Fair. I did think that the acting was still pretty good. You know, it's not very schlocky. It's not like how the old series used to be. I liked Benedict Cumberbatch. I liked um, Zoe Zaldana and Zachary Quinto or Quinto. But I really, I just don't buy Chris Pine as Captain Kirk yet. And this has been an ongoing thing now. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I think he would he came across as the weak link in this film. I liked him yeah. in the original Star Trek reboot film in 2009. I think the problem here is that the character of Kirk is going through a very similar arc in this movie as he was in the first one. You know, in the first one, it was basically, here's this young kid who's got to suddenly mature and become a starship captain. And it was about his his evolution into becoming a more mature person. Uh, in this film, he's still, once again, very immature. He's very egotistical. Uh, he's a womanizer. He, he, he's not that put-together, clear-headed James T. Kirk from the original series just yet. So I think to a certain extent it felt like the movie was covering the same ground as it already had with a lot of its characters. I like, though, that they developed uh, a certain onboard relationship a little bit more. I kind of actually liked that. It was interesting. Yes, are you talking about the Uhura-Spock relationship from the first film? Yeah, it's kind of cool. They do deal a little bit with that. And while I do think that some of the conflict in that relationship was resolved a little bit too easily, yeah, yeah, I did like that they uh, that they took the time to focus on that a little bit, as opposed to just you know Captain Kirk's flings or whatever. Right. There are a couple characters in the movie. Actually, I feel like a lot of the characters get shortchanged, unfortunately, in Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, you, you know, in the original Star Trek, there wasn't a whole lot of depth to those to to a lot of the characters, but they at least got, you know, at least one scene to just sort of show mm-hmm. what they were made of and what they could do and why they were important. In this movie, uh, give or take, not so yeah. much. Um, there are certain characters that have a whole lot to do, and other characters that just sort of, unfortunately, have to sit on the sidelines. Well, I mean, you do have a new big baddie come into the picture, so he eats up a lot of time. There is a new big bad, and we're not going to spoil who it is in part one and what his deal is exactly, because there, there's there been a lot of secrecy about it. 
suffice it to say, if you think you know who it is, you're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I will say that I actually think, I think the villain for all the secrecy surrounding him, I actually think that character is probably the biggest problem in the whole film. Oh, well, I still thought. His actor did a good job. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I think Benedict Cumberbatch is doing excellent work with what he has. But when you sit down and and try to parse it out, just the character is kind of a mess, in my opinion, in, in how they handle him. The movie overall just felt like a bit too bloated to me. Like, there's so much stuff happening. There's so many, like, twists and reversals that happen. It's one right after the other. There was a party that was just like slow down, just, like, breathe, let me process a lot of this information and these reveals. Yeah, the movie just, just, just plows right on. It doesn't really give you a lot of time to process the story. And there's also, there's so many elements of the plot that feel like they don't need to be there, probably because it's written by Damon Lindelof. <laughs> and name drop <laughs> yes if you recall monica from i believe when we discussed prometheus i'm not a big damon lindelof fan i feel oh, like good. as a writer he tends to have really really great ideas and then he tries he needs an editor yeah, he needs an editor he tries to shove all these great ideas into one movie and as a result none of them work and none of them are satisfying Mm-hmm. Although, what's the what's the connection then with just you know making his character stupid? Because <laughs> I remember Prometheus, we were calling out like the scientists, like no biologist would just ever touch an unknown species with his bare hands. There's nothing quite that egregious here, that bad. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> there is just a lot of stuff going on, and I know that he worked with Ortsy and Kurtzman, the other co-writers, to to sort of make this movie into an allegory for the war on terror again which i'm getting really tired a little of. bit yeah it, so, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of political subtext in the movie it, it just feels like the movie cannot figure out what it wants to be you know does it want to be a political movie does it want to be an ode to to some star trek adventures of old does it want to be its own new thing it, it just sort of gets jumbled up and lost trying to figure out what it is and and as a result i thought the second half the second half was honestly just kind of exhausting to me and i was mm-hmm. i was both bored and yet beaten senseless by everything <laughs> happening it was just non-stop action and plot twists and i was not emotionally caught up in it at all oh. did you have that problem um, to an extent, just because it felt so long, it's just, it was dragging and started to right. feel its weight. Um, one of the things that I remarked to you when I was kind of shocked by is that they actually leave the bad guy alone for about 20 minutes, never cutting back to check on him. So there's <laughs> no like parallel time. So there's no, like, you basically think like, oh, this is over. And then all of a sudden we cut back to him after about 20, 25 minutes. And it's like, oh, you again. I thought we were done with you. (laughs) Yeah, it just, it just structurally, it's very messy. And I, I always think that it's a bad sign if there are elements in the script that could probably be completely removed without, (laughs) you know, impacting the movie too much. 
There are definitely... Turn the fat? Yeah, there's a lot of fat in this movie. There's a new addition to the cast, uh, played by Alice Eve. Oh, your favorite. I, you know, she's a fine actress, but I gotta be honest, I felt like her character added nothing to the movie at all. And you could probably have removed it entirely. And ultimately, it would yeah. not it would not have changed things very much. So yeah, there are entire characters and 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 major elements of the plot that just really don't need to be there, but for some reason they are. I was disappointed. I don't think it's an awful film. Like I said, I think I'd be probably more willing to rewatch this than Iron Man three. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as summer blockbusters go i was once again pretty disappointed may so far has been a disappointing month and (laughs) i gotta tell you monica you're gonna you're gonna hate this so far the best summer blockbuster i've seen has been gatsby i'm gonna try not to curse because i know that's gonna mean more editing for you so (laughs) you're a terrible human being i just want you to know gatsby's not a great movie it's just mediocre You know what? Shenanigans. Furious Six. <laughs> I'll call it right now. Furious Six. It's in May. It's in we May. We do have a Furious Six episode coming up very soon, so we, we will be talking about Furious Six shortly. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe that will replace Gatsby as uh, the best film of the summer so far. If it doesn't, I'm taking your driver's license. The bar license. is pretty low <laughs> at this point, honestly. I mean, if you could give me a few good thrills and allow me to follow you from plot point A to plot point B, you'll be, you're already ahead. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll, I'll take that challenge. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else you want to say in part one of our discussion of Star Trek Into Darkness? Any other general aspect about the film that you think our listeners should be aware of before they check it out? Spoilers. All right, we we'll, we can talk spoilers in part two. Uh, that'll wrap it up for part yep. one of our episode on Star Trek Into Darkness here on Cinemafix. Don't forget to tune in next time when we will be discussing The Fast and the Furious 6. Or is it just called Furious 6? I, I don't know what the title is but it's the sixth entry in the fast and furious series that's all you need to know there you go yeah and that should be out this week as well within the next day or so it's just a jam-packed week of podcasting you're just not leaving your we're just churning them out we're churning them out we're getting caught up It's, it's, it's it's summer blockbuster season there's so many movies to discuss uh it's great so much podcasting. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to us through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me online on Twitter at mcastimovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema.
This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!